Greetings to each one of you this morning again, in the name of our Lord and Savior. I too want to welcome the visitors that are here. There's at least one visitor, I guess I can... Uh, she's still not a visitor, but after a while she's going to be a visitor, and it's good to have Mindy here yet with us, and Jason as well. And for anyone else, too, that is here this morning, trust you can worship with us. As we look again into the Word of God, to give us direction in life. Recently I've been... maybe not so much made aware of, but wrestling with, maybe that's a better word. How to proclaim the word of God to the people around us. And this all comes back to, through the ordination, there's a, if any of you have filled out those questionnaires, there's a, there's a question in there and it reads like this, do you have a deep burden to see the lost and defeated souls experience the same fullness of the blessing of Christ that you have found in your life? And if I was to ask you, if you have a deep burden, what would your response be? You have to put yes down, you can't say no or they... How can you be a preacher if you say you don't have a burden for the lost? So you put a yes down, but in my mind and some of the others that shared, it's, it's we wish we had more of a burden. And I'm not so much as studied in, in you know, what that burden is, but as I thought of the Sunday school lesson and why the children of Israel said, we, we can serve God and Joshua says, no, you can't. It's because of the, the gods that they had that they were still serving. It's probably because in their own heart and mind, they were missing a burden, a weight, uh, a sincerity that had to be there in order to serve God. And as I looked at what all is involved with having a burden for the lost. That's a very huge, big subject. But the, it kind of kept coming down to uh, what Brother Mike preached last Sunday, and I never know if this is a proper thing to do, but how many of you remember what Mike preached last Sunday? Raise your hand. It was very simple, wasn't it? Let's live a simple life. And I want to jump on top of that and say uh, we have a simple message to give to the people around us. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's, it's just sharing with others what's happened in our life. Doesn't that sound so easy? It, it, it does. It sounds easy. But to go out and actually do it is, is where you're going to run into the battle. It's going to be hard. To actually stand with somebody and tell them things that they need to hear. And I think that is probably, if you want to find the fiercest part of the battle, I think that's where one of them is. Is in us as Christians, portray, giving, 
sharing, just putting truth into other people's lives. And so this morning I feel, um, and I, I really wanted to just hold that verse about the, the students have the students have more understanding than the teacher, and that is the case this morning. Um, I, I'm at fault in these things. I, I don't do these things. I can't tell you and give you examples of this is how you do it. You just do this, 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 and this. It's my weakness. I, I have to acknowledge that. <clears throat> and so in trying to just bring it down to how can we do the work that God wants us to. I, like I said, coming off of Mike's sermon, Simple Living, I mean, he mentioned practical things. Uh, you know, your work, recreation, your clothes, where your treasure is, just the day in, day out things. But he mentioned some spiritual things, and, and salvation is simple. Simple in, you know, just in word and what it is. And trust is simple. Like, in and of itself, it's not that complicated. And simple living gives us the ability to proclaim the simple message of salvation. I just really felt that, uh, that if you live a simple life, it's going to give you a better opportunity to proclaim a simple message. So my, my title of my sermon is A Simple Message. Um, and I broke it down into three points. Simple example, simple warning, and the third one I didn't, you know, your points, you like them all to fit nice, and it didn't. But this is simple growing. And so, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. I'm just going to start off, it's pretty basic. But yet, that's what we have this morning, is a simple message. Maybe for us, but maybe for us to give to those around us. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Reads like this, verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When you think of witnessing, there is not an idea that's out there. There's a fact out there that being an example contributes to witnessing, to helping people understand and I I think it can be a snare for us to think that that's all we need to do is live a good example there's other places in scripture says that no you have to proclaim the word but a simple example just in your life and how you live is what is needed and I remember hearing, if you want to say a radio preacher, I, I think that's what it was. He said, the moment you become a Christian, 
you are a preacher. And this was before I was ordained, but, uh, and I, I believe he's right. Once you have experienced God in your life, you have all you need, that experience that you've had, that's all you need to go and to tell somebody else. It doesn't take a college degree. It doesn't take memorization of the whole word of God. It is, it's, you just are. Once you've experienced it, you can, you can be a preacher. And so <clears throat> with seeing this uh, in, in these verses about light, Christians are the light of the world. And the, that light is of no value if it's hid. And so unless you hide your light and totally cover it up, which a Christian, you're not going to last very long if you do that, the world is going to see whatever light is coming from you. Whether it's bright light, whether it's a dim light, that's the example that you're setting forth for the world. And as you know, we need to live a consistent life. That's, that's, this is part of that example. Your, your walk and your talk need to match. Because the world is watching very close how we live. And a lot closer maybe than what we realize sometimes. Because some ungodly people know the ways of God. And they may even know how to tell you the right way to live. And I've maybe experienced that already being in certain places where someone you know, they don't, they're not maybe a Christian, don't go to church, a neighbor or someone, I, I can say I can't think specifically, but, but they will be quick to tell you if you're doing something wrong or if you, uh, you know, if you're at the convenience store and you're buying a pack of cigarettes, they'll tell you, you're not supposed to do that. Like, they, they know when you're doing something wrong. And that's because they're seeing, they're watching, they know these things. And it's a powerful testimony to the world around us to live the way you believe. That is foundational. It is needed. And you have to watch out for the better-than-thou attitude. The example that you uh, live, they'll soon know if you think, I, I have this example. I'm, I'm living the way God wants to. Can't you see I'm doing what I want? That's not going to work either. You, you, you'll put yourself in a corner. Um, the world knows when they think or when they can tell that they'll see it if, if you think you're better than the rest of the people around. And you've probably heard the phrase about people don't really care how much you know but they will know how much you care and that comes out real real quick like so my question is a little bit is it enough to only live as an example to the world around us maybe not an easy answer for that question but I do believe we need to be Living a, just a simple example to those around us. Jumping into my second point. 
coming from, it's not enough just to be example. We need to use words and to communicate and to tell, to talk to other people. Turn to Ezekiel 33, 1-9. Ezekiel chapter 33. I don't know if any of you know right off when I give a reference like this what this is referring to. Ezekiel chapter 33, maybe some of you do. But I want to read um, the first nine verses from Ezekiel chapter 33. Verse 1, again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts, and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning, If the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take take any person from among them, He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And I hadn't looked at the Sunday school lesson prior, but what Joshua left with the children of Israel, I think he delivered his soul. His job, what he had responsibility given to him from God, he did what he was supposed to, and it was on the people from there on. But this section of Scripture has always brought fear into my life. Because I'm afraid that I'm going to be held accountable for not warning people. And fear is not a characteristic of God. And so, some of these things I kind of learning for myself as I, as I try to understand this, and I, there was a book I was reading, it's about the church but the one part of it talks about reaching out being a witness and warning what the what the job of the church is supposed to do and 
it helped me understand a little bit um, that I don't have to fear because I suddenly feel like God's just going to judge me because I did not proclaim His word. And what I mean by that is, is, is I've uh, I remember hearing from somewhere that Satan likes to give big general temptations. He'll just say, "You can't witness. You can't this. You can't that." Just he'll just throw everything at you. But the Holy Spirit gives you one specific thing to do. And so in my mind, I may feel the temptation from Satan that I just can't do it. I, I can't witness all these people who haven't done it. But have I listened when the Spirit told me to go to somebody and pro- tell and to witness? Have I listened to that, that, one, that one thing? And that's what I want you to focus on this morning is not the general fear that you haven't witnessed. It's if God tells you one thing, one small thing, the Holy Spirit, you're supposed to do. Are you doing it? That is what you probably will be held accountable for. Because my question is, you know, what about the customers that helped my dad to shop that died without me telling them of Jesus? I remember specifically going out on a service call, and this fellow was a real, I mean, going to act like all the customers I have are quite the characters, but this fellow was, uh, you had to be a little careful, or he would, like, he was boss, and, um, you know, he told me a story, he'd buy a truck, and the dealership didn't do this and this, and he left them know, and he made them correct it, and he ran the show, and I thought, boy, what am I doing working on this tractor out here? And he uh, he would tell me how one day he was feeling a little bit, I don't know the word for it, but uh, wound up, and he was a block layer, and he just cranked out a whole bunch of block, just, I mean, just to show off, tell the other, you know, how good he is, how quick he can do stuff. And, and in my mind, I remember thinking, this fellow, he just is not a Christian. You know, this is years ago. And, uh, you know, you leave and you wonder, did I do right? Didn't I? And three weeks later, there's his obituary in the paper. Robert Ritter died. And that's the fear I'm talking about, that all of a sudden, you're like, is, am I accountable for that? And yes and no, I don't know. I'm just giving you my side of it. I don't know how it all is for you. But will I be held accountable for not warning the sinner of Judgment Day? And the, the phrase in this here comes down to, will I have blood on my hands when I stand before God? Now that maybe is not on, on your hands, but it says about uh, requiring... Uh, blood and there's a story in here that that uses the phrase blood on on your hands and I I would like to read that to you it's it's not overly long I don't think it'll be too much of an interference but it really Help me to see what my responsibility is. The story goes like this. A young minister preached very earnestly in a certain chapel. 
After the service, he had to walk four or five miles to his home along a country road. A young man who had been deeply impressed during the sermon requested the privilege of walking with the minister, hoping to obtain some personal word of guidance or comfort. Instead of that, the young minister all along told the most singular tales to those who were with him, causing loud roars of laughter. He and his young, he and this younger man stopped at a certain house and the whole evening was spent in frivolity. Some years after, when the minister had grown older, he was called to the bedside of a dying man. He hastened hither with a heart desirous to do good, and he sat down at the bedside. The dying man looked at him closely and said, Do you remember preaching in such a village on such an occasion? I do, said the minister. I was one of your hearers, said the man, and I was deeply impressed by, that, by the sermon. Thank God for that, said the minister. Stop, interrupted the man. Don't thank God till you have heard the whole account. You will reason to alter your tone before I am done. The minister changed his countenance, but he little guessed what would be the full extent of the dying man's testimony. Said he, Sir, do you remember that after you had finished your sermon, I and some others walked home with you? I sincerely wanted to be led in the right path that night. But I heard you speak in such a strain of levity and with such coarseness that I went outside the house while you were sitting down to your evening meal. I stamped my foot on the ground. I said that you were a liar, that Christianity was a falsehood, and that if you could pretend to be in earnest in the pulpit and then come down and talk like that, the whole thing must be a sham. And I have been an infidel, said he, a confirmed infidel from that day to this, but I am not an infidel at this moment. I know better. I am dying and about to be damned, and at the bar of God I will lay my damnation to your charge. My blood is upon your head. And with a dreadful shriek and a demonic glance at the minister, he died. Now, I'm not sure if I have been involved in something quite like that. But it goes back a little bit to the example that we live. We are to warn the sinner. The Holy Spirit will prompt us. There's another story I remember of this person in, in an office uh, setting where he felt he was supposed to stop at this certain office and just tell this person about the love of God, just to witness to him. And he wrestled with it, wrestled with it. Finally he did. He went in there and he just couple short sentences, said what he thought, felt he should, and he left. And the rest of the story is, unbeknown to him, there was a cleaning person behind the desk that he did not see. It was down on his hands and knees cleaning. And that's what the words were for, was for that person that was cleaning. And so, to do just what God asks you to do, just one thing at a time, and to follow through with what he is telling you. The Holy Spirit just will prompt us, I think. If you're in tune with him. And we will know if we're going along with the sinner or if we need to confront it. 
I, I don't see any of you living a life of partying and revel rioting. Uh, can't even say the words right. Anything goes along with partying. And coming to church here is, and acting like everything. I, I don't. I, I see you men as sincere and honest before God. But if you were at a place where saying about if you we will know if we're going along with the sinner or if we need to confront it. It's like you'll know in your heart when you have turned your back towards God and have not said a word of warning to the person that needed it. it, it I, I just think there's a defining line there that you know when you should or shouldn't have. And I <clears throat> don't know what to do with an individual in my life either. Um, it, I wrote down here, there's never room to allow people to be comfortable with sin. And I kind of wrestle with this one because it has to do with my serviceman that, uh, that I have for chicken house. He's probably the, well, I would say he is the best uh, serviceman I've ever had. He's basically my age, grew up with chickens. He knows how to do things very well. He kind of looks the other way sometimes on those every last little law that you got to follow. He, he knows how it is. But he also told me he had his wife left him. He went out west hunting and his wife just took off. And he worked through that. He would say he feels at peace with God, but he proceeded to remarry somebody else. And this is starting to roll around in my mind. What do I do with this? I've had good talks with him, and I think I'm to the place now where I could, I could look him in the face, look him in the eye, and say, what does the Bible say? But I need help in that. Satan is right there. And so what happens when we give a simple warning is it's going to make enemies. You're going to make a person either mad at you or angry at you, and I don't know how it's just going to happen. But the idea would be is not to do it more than you have, like more than is needed. Uh, keep love in there that they can sense your what you're after, what you're trying to do. Um, and then I think through that, those situations, if you find you you will know if you if you will have blood on your hands. But remember, and I thank God for this, that if we repent and ask for forgiveness, He will forgive us. He will extend mercy to us when we fail. I don't know about the consequences of that, though. When Judgment Day comes, and these people that God brings into my life, and I fail to warn them, I don't know what God's going to do, but with me, I, I, I don't, but it's a place of fear that we need to be in. And in um, 
some of this is, is, has this been a reality in my life? Have I, and I, I said it back in the beginning, have I been one to go out there and have all these experiences and stories to say of doing it? No. I myself have never confronted somebody directly about their sin. I, I really don't know if I have. An indirect way or through conversation maybe, but really to, to stand in front of somebody and say, you know the Bible says that is wrong. I, I can't say I can, it's too many times to count. It's not that type of situation. And when I say that, I'm not really talking about church people, because church people maybe. It's easy to say, brother, that might be wrong. Yeah, that's, that's easy, if you want to say <laughs> easy. Because you know the person, and they might know where you're at with that, and you can maybe somewhat joke about it, but there, even if there's some seriousness in there, like, you know it might be wrong. But what about the worldly people around us? Like I say, for me, probably not. And some of my, I, I wanted to make sure you're aware of that, because recently I've been, at least two situations where I've been put, that, that has been put right in front of me. And one of those was, the invitation to go to uh, Mifflinburg School as a pastor. And Jay and Mike, if you remember, at ministers meeting, Nate had this paper about the principal invited um, all the local pastors, preachers of the church. And you just, like, well, what, what do they want? Or, we, don't, we don't associate with public schools, and so I called Nate, uh, right from Milmont there, and he said, yeah, he'll, he's planning to go. I said, well, I'll go along with you. And it wasn't much more than just protocol of a new principal, uh, um, trying to get to know the, the community and the people around. He was going to have different meetings with with lots of different ones, and, and all he was after was input from outsiders how to make the school better. But to go there and see all the other pastors that from different churches, there might have been 10, 15 of us there. Um, and they have the same goal to witness, and their questions were, how can you help or witness to the school people? And, and the principal was like, school's neutral. You, you cannot. you you got to do it somewhere else. And all of a sudden, that puts differences because you're going to limit proclaiming of God's word to just where you are in situations and and it suddenly put me and Nate kind of in and he knew we were more um, obviously depending how you dress or what you do uh, we stood out maybe a little bit from the rest of them and I hope in a right way in a good way not to diminish the work that other pastors are doing but it made me uh, feel somewhat comfortable in being a Christian and not caring who sees me or what I'm doing. And like I say, it was with pastors, but the next situation, there might not be, it might be full of evil men. I, I don't know, but it was a experience, I guess you would say, that, that added to me understanding how to uh, confront people, to tell people. And we didn't have much talk or much dialogue. He, um, he kept it very basic and very simple. 
But around the same time, uh, there was another customer um, from the shop there, and I, same thing, uh, go out and work on his tractor. And he's a um, fairly older man, and I had invited him to church. I think that's the only couple I invited to church, and I was like, I don't see them here. They said maybe about coming, but some of you I've talked to or talked about, we sang Christmas carols there, and his name is Max, and um, he uh, doesn't go to church. And, you know, you can get an idea pretty quick where a person is. And so the other week when I was there, I, um, once again, you start feeling this, I should do something, I should do something, what should I do? And, and you know, I'd go there some and I'd leave and I'd, maybe I didn't say enough. Because God knows the other people's hearts where they're at. And we're just supposed to do what we sense or know the Spirit telling us to do. And so I, uh, I may have blown it, I have no idea. I, I, uh, he was there and I said, Max, do you... Do you believe in God? Yes, he believes in God. I said, are you going to go to heaven? Because he's in his 80s. And he was like, well, I hope so. And I tried to live a good life. I think that was his word. And so I started in on the little bit maybe too much doctrine. I don't know. I told him God doesn't, God doesn't allow sin. He's a holy God. I'm not going to repeat my whole first time of trying to witness to somebody. But I... Um, Later on, I went back, and when I, let me say, when you get, uh, when the burden goes off of you, have, have any of you experienced that? <laughs> like, God's wanting you to do something, and you do it, what's that feel like? Have any of you experienced that? You need to experience that. You have to. That is the joy and the reward of being a Christian. And so when I left there, I, I was, or, you couldn't have told me any bad news. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> like, it was just free and clear before God. Well, a couple days later, I realized um, I went back there. Oh, he, he didn't pay his bill, so I went back there. And um, here he um, got an infection and wasn't doing real well. And he started, uh, I shared Wednesday night in our group, he was hallucinating he was seeing things and when I was there he was just kind of a difficult know what to do and I probably should have done more but he really wasn't comprehending things and in my mind I thought and this is a humanist coming out I thought boy whatever I told him the other day he it probably didn't matter to him a whole lot and it was a disappointing thing and maybe he didn't catch what I was telling him but it was also a in my humanist thinking, well, at least it didn't make him mad because he, he didn't remember, <laughs> he might not have remembered it. And I just count it as an experience. I, I, I tried to do what God wanted, and it's history. I don't know if he'll, uh, what might be in the future, I don't know. And so I'm kind of getting to my last part about growing, but. It's easy for me to preach to you all this, but I need to be doing it if I can 
tell you to do it. And I want you all to know I recognize my almost zero experience in these things. I don't have a life of stories to tell you. And it's not that that's critical, it's just my humanness, my frailty and weakness in this area. This sermon is meant to encourage all of us to be working in the kingdom of God. James 5, 19 and 20. Um, I just wrote a couple notes about it. I should just read it here quick. The last two verses in the book of James. James chapter 5, 9, 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. If I understood the context, this may not pre be referring to the, the heathen and the ungodly worldly around us. It could even be a brother in the church or someone close. But either way, convert him. Uh, save a soul from death. This isn't about saving somebody from physical death. It's about spiritual death. These people are dying spiritually. And, and can, we, can we see that and can we understand that? Now the last part is what I call simple growing. That might not be a good terminology, but there's a verse in Philemon. And you can turn there. I would like if you would read this maybe over and over and over if you're sitting there and not sure what to do. You just read this verse over and over and over. Because I still don't understand it as I read it over and over and it's jumping in here in Philemon. He was, Paul's writing this letter, of course, to, to Philemon about Onesimus, his slave. And when Philemon um, was doing good works, Paul just says about, he's a prisoner to my beloved brother Philemon, also to beloved Apphia and Archippus, fellow soldiers to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God always mentioning of thee always. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my, in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Just leading up to verse 6 is the one I want. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And I, I, I repeat that verse, and I repeat that verse, and I go round and round, and I think this verse has lots of different meanings to it. And I'm going to pull one meaning away out of it, and just how it, uh, how, the way I took it, um, and I base that off not my own interpretation of it, but the way the NIV states it, and the way I was looking at a couple other, um, even commentaries, translations, and it got... It kind of got pulled a lot of different directions. But the NIV reads this. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. So what happens when you do share the gospel with someone? Number one, I, or a couple things here I have. It inspires confidence. For myself, um, that you actually can do it. 
And it gives experience so you have a better answer to give um, the next time. And 1 Peter 3.5 talks about, um, talking about sanctifying your hearts that you know how to give an answer to every man that asketh. Uh, we all like somebody that's experienced in the work that they do. And how are you going to get to that point unless you start somewhere? you got to... Every great experienced worker, your business had to start uh, at the beginning, and the beginning is is to go out and and to do it, to tell somebody when when God gives you opportunity or chance to do it. Uh, you realize the humbling effect it has of being used by God, and that is part of that reward and joy that I felt after you do the work God, specific job God would give you to do, you don't even, and you only know this until you do it, you don't even think that you did something great. You're like, oh yeah, I went and witnessed to him. Yourself is, God just, it like, it's removed from you, and you just see the greatness of God in everything, and you don't even think about what you really did. I... I was amazed by that. The humbling effect it has, it, it, just, it just happens. And you, you can't be humble by trying to be humble. And, and that's this humbling effect. It just, it just happens. And this gives us a better understanding of how small we are and how big God is. Now, just a couple of my own ramblings here on... Um, I'm pretty well through all my points, but some of my thoughts and just you know, how to put this all together a little bit. Um, I'll just read it here, and it's, it's jumping a little bit to a different subject. But would God supply a church building if we were first starting the outreach and having it grow to the place of needing a church building? And I know we need a church building, but I'm thinking more of the missions side of things. Um, do we have the cart before the horse? If we were to... I see Steve sitting here, you know, and the rest of us on the committee for the outreach. We, some of us were at the rec center. If we were given the rec center right now, uh, are we worthy of that? Would we be, um, would we know how to handle it? I, I don't know. Um, but I would just plug, put this out that God will supply the need that we have when the need is there. When the mission gets so full and there's so many people that they just don't know what to do, you hear stories of missionary, God comes along and supplies something. And in my mind, I was, it's like, we need to start outreach now. We don't need to wait around for a building. We need to do it now. And God will supply then. I, my own picture. Just hear me out. I hope you understand. Now, the satisfaction and rewards of being a Christian are then complete after we experience sharing the gospel to the lost around us in a personal and a direct way. <clears throat> I remember asking my sister-in-law, I think it was Phil's wife, Jolene, or a couple of us around there talking. I, I said, do you think God will really let somebody into heaven that never brought a soul to the Lord? 
And her first response was, well, of course, that's not in the Bible. You don't have to convert somebody to be, uh, or like bring somebody to the Lord to gain credibility and worthiness to be entered into heaven. No, you don't. But the question I was trying to get out in my mind is, is, are you, has your, is your Christian life complete without actually bringing a soul to the Lord? And I, I just, in my mind, there is part of the Christian life that is not experienced and not understood until you do that. And for myself, have I led someone to the Lord? Not in a specific way, no. It's something that um, I want to do when God brings it to me. I also hope that I can... One plants and other waters, and then the increase is in God's hands. Now, there's something else I heard, and it was from some of you here at church. It was a blessing to me to hear it, and it was uh, just different ones, and it was back a little while. I, I, I kind of pointedly asked a few men, I said, do you want to tell others about Jesus? And they said, yes, they do. That's a good start, brothers. That is a very good start. But you're going to have to keep it going. It will not take place by itself. You you must. And I, I um, even at the meeting, looking for ways of how we can uh, make it known to the church just um, in, in what we can do uh, to be a witness and a testimony whether it's personally or collectively as a church um, but I, I just it, it was a blessing to me to hear that and I, I just want to keep that vision that momentum rolling that if you want to tell others about Christ just see what the next step is and continue on with it So back to this word simple. When I use the word simple, I'm not ignoring the hard things that are with this subject. It's not easy to witness to people. There's a battle. There's things that take place. Uh, but just a couple practical points that, and I don't even know if they're practical points, things that came to my mind again, as you or if you would start that um, dialogue with other people or, or getting into witnessing to talking with others uh, my understanding is in conversation with people that a good a good conversationalist if you understand my word there is one that asks questions and so ask questions when you're interacting with people that, that's a general general uh, uh, nugget of truth maybe but it is good to ask questions and not be so much making your own statements but to, to, to pull out what the other person might be wanting to know um, and just for maybe even the humor of it um, they said you don't if you're in the back alley of New York City at 8.30 at night you don't walk up to somebody and give them a little slap on the back and say brother are you ready to die you don't do that. 
you, you use a little common sense in your phrases and your wording that you use. Um, and then seeing how Jesus did it, he was filled with compassion when uh, a couple references there in Matthew and Mark, um, or two different ones in Matthew, I guess it was repeated later in the, but the true heart of compassion will help us to reach out to those around us. It's, Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the crowds and says something about it. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And I think compassion will be one that we need that will that'll help us in uh, being more motivated or, or wanting to do the work that God would, would call or ask us. Um, and so just in conclusion, uh, just a couple statements do I or you have a burden for the lost around us? That is a need that is foundational to, to reaching the lost. And then we have a simple message to give to the world. It doesn't have to be an hour-long sermon to somebody. It's just a simple message. And then the sobering one, will we have blood on our hands when we stand before God? That's the one that like I say, really has been, if I say heavy on my mind, of will I be held accountable, you know, in those situations? And I want to be able to be free and clear. That's because I can do that. I and myself, I can choose and I can do those things. And lastly here, uh, just a closing comment. Um, we are called to live a simple life, to be a simple example, and to give a simple warning, and to simply grow to a full knowledge of Jesus in our lives and move beyond our comfort zone to share the gospel to those around us. And if I was to get anything, this, this verse is probably where it all started from about in Philemon uh verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And it wasn't really beneficial to study that word by word. It would I did a little bit. But the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What God does for us, we need to be, make it known to those around us. And with his help, we can do that. And may God uh, inspire us. May He I don't know, just show us what to do. I guess in these times, and may um, may we not be fearful. I know already I mentioned, and I'm not sure how accurate it is, but we don't have anything to lose. Really, we can share, and that is just the job that we have. And so, just an encouragement for myself mostly for myself and each of you to continue doing the work God would have.